The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, October 1st, 2023, on the basis of Matthew 21, verses 23 through 32. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. We are living under the constant threat of tyranny. I think you could probably find a good number of Americans who would agree with that statement, even though those very same Americans would probably have very different ideas of where that threat of tyranny is coming from. For some, the real threat might come from those groups that have sort of always enjoyed a certain favored place and status in our society, those groups that are very used to having a firm hold on power and are willing to squash like a bug anyone that would threaten it. For others, the real threat might come from those who are tired of not having any power, who want to just tear down all of our systems and institutions and rebuild a brand new social order. For some, the threat might come from the mainstream media and giant tech companies that all promote a certain narrative and seek to suppress opposing views. For others, the real threat might come from those who spread disinformation and buy into all kinds of conspiracy theories and try to undermine our confidence in elections. It's really no surprise that a nation that was founded as one big rebellion against tyranny would constantly have its radar for new forms of tyranny on high alert. And one of the things that protects us from tyranny in our country is what we refer to as the rule of law. We are a nation of laws that everyone must obey. No one is above those laws. No one can just exercise power arbitrarily. If you break the laws, you deserve to be punished. If you keep the laws, you can't be punished. And in the kingdoms of this world, kingdoms like the United States of America, the rule of law works pretty well. But you know, the kingdoms of this earth are not the only places where we are under the threat of tyranny. We're right in the middle of this worship series that's entitled Radical Regime. We're looking at some of the revolutionary policies that operate and run Jesus' kingdom. And as we're going to see today, we are also living under constant threat of tyranny in the kingdom Jesus came to establish. Not the threat of tyranny of having our free speech taken away, not the threat of having our rights violated or being unfairly imprisoned. Instead, we are under the threat of tyranny of those who would seek to control our relationship with God. Those who would seek to be able to determine who in this world is righteous and who in this world is wicked, who is good and who is evil, who is innocent and who is guilty. And yet, as we're going to see today, Unfortunately, in the kingdom that Jesus established, the rule of law cannot protect us from this tyranny. In fact, the rule of law only further adds to the tyranny that threatens us. And so instead, Jesus came to establish his kingdom with a different sort of rule, a different principle that he uses to reign and that he uses to protect us from tyranny. So as we look at these verses from Matthew chapter 21 this morning, we're going to see that Jesus established his kingdom by rebelling against the rule of law. 
There is a reason why the rule of law can only lead to tyranny in the kingdom of heaven. It's because in the kingdom of heaven, the law does not separate righteous people from wicked people, good people from evil people, innocent people from guilty people. The law instead condemns absolutely everyone as wicked and evil and, right and guilty. And so if someone wants to live according to the law, what they're going to have to do is somehow lower the standards of that law. They're going to have to decide which laws we're going to emphasize and which laws of God we're going to just ignore. And in Jesus' day, that was exactly what the religious leaders did, the people that Matthew refers to as the chief priests and the elders. They were the ones who were going around telling the people exactly how they had to live, exactly how they had to act, exactly how they had to talk if they wanted to be righteous. They were using the rule of law to exercise tyranny over the people. And so it's no wonder that they viewed Jesus as a threat to that power. And in fact, that's exactly what we see going on in these verses. Two days prior to these events, on the day that we call Palm Sunday, Jesus had ridden into Jerusalem on that donkey and all of the people had acclaimed him as a great king. The very next day on Monday, he had shown up at the temple and caused a great disturbance. He had overthrown all of the tables and driven out all of the vendors and the money changers. And so the next day, Tuesday, when Jesus shows up at the temple, those chief priests and those elders want to know, what gives this guy the nerve? to be doing what he's doing. They went to Jesus and they asked, by what authority are you doing these things and where did this authority come from? Jesus decides to answer their question with a question of his own. He says, why don't you tell me, John's baptism, where did it come from? Was it from heaven or was it of human origin? Now, by asking this question, Jesus was doing more than dodging the question of the religious leaders the way a skilled politician might do. No, John the Baptist really did nothing more than point the people to Jesus. John had said that Jesus was the Messiah sent from heaven. And so really the answer to both of these questions was one and the same. If John's baptism came from heaven, so also Jesus' authority came from heaven. But by asking the religious leaders this question, Jesus exposed something very important about them. As much as they were the ones who were using the rule of law to exercise control and power over the people, Jesus' question revealed that the people also had power over them. You see, if they were going to be the ones going around telling everyone what they had to do in order to be righteous, at the very same time they depended on the people, seeing them as part of the righteous group of people, which meant that they couldn't answer Jesus' question the way that they wanted to. They didn't believe that John's baptism had come from heaven. But they knew that the people did. And they were afraid of the people. And so if they answered the way that they wanted to, the people's opinion about them would instantly change and they would lose all of their power. The rule of law not only gave those religious leaders power and tyranny over the people, it also gave the people a certain amount of tyranny over those same religious leaders. And that's how it will always be if the kingdom of heaven is governed by the rule of law. As was the case in Jesus' day, it can still be the case in our day that religious leaders are the ones who think 
that they get to go around telling everybody that their relationship with God depends on their performance before God's law. Or at the very least, the law that those religious leaders want to focus on. And so people like pastors, people like other religious officials might tell people or even give people the impression that if they really want to be right with God, boy, they better show up at church every Sunday with a smile on their face, everything put together, giving nothing but the impression that everything in life is just absolutely perfect. And of course, you better give generously when that offering plate goes around. After all, the church has bills that we need to pay. And when it's time to sign up, everybody better pitch in. Everybody's got to do their fair share, right? But you know, it's not just religious leaders in our world who can exercise tyranny over people using the rule of law. Not just here in church, but even out there in the world, in public life. We also want to have this sense that we are righteous rather than wicked and good rather than evil. And that also can give tremendous power to influential voices in the public realm. Politicians, celebrities, media figures, social media influencers. All of them can have the power to be able to dictate and to tell people the way they need to act, the way they need to talk, even the way they need to think and the opinions that they need to hold if they want to be good and righteous. And so it works exactly the same way in our day as it did in Jesus' day. This tyranny always needs to be a two-way street. There might be a lot of pressure that's applied. There might be a lot of persuasion that is employed. And yet, at the end of the day, if we are going to be caught and trapped under tyranny, it's something we must accept willingly. And there is a very good reason why just as in Jesus' day, so also in our day, people are prone to accept that tyranny willingly. It's because it also gives us a certain amount of power. Whoever is going to go around telling everybody what it takes in order to be righteous also depends on those very same people to view them as one of the righteous ones. And so the rule of law makes a tyrant out of absolutely everyone. It results in this scenario of mutually assured destruction. Everyone is afraid of everyone else. Nobody wants to disrupt the status quo. The rule of law exercises its control over everybody and makes tyrants of us all. So I have to ask, have you participated in that tyranny? Maybe a good way to figure out if you have is to ask yourself this question. In this deep-down desi desire that all of us have to be viewed as one of the righteous and good and innocent ones, have you ever felt tired? Have you ever felt utterly exhausted with trying to keep up with the demands that other people are placing on you? That's really the only thing that the rule of law can do to someone. Leave us utterly and completely exhausted. And so thankfully our Savior Jesus came to lead a complete rebellion against that rule of law. The sort of awkward and uncomfortable silence that was hanging in the air after the religious leaders were unable to answer Jesus' question exposed the fault of their system of ruling by the rule of law. And yet Jesus didn't allow that awkward silence to stand for very long. He wanted to fill that awkward silence with the sound of revolution. And it took the form of a very simple parable. 
a man had two sons. He extended the same invitation to both of them to come and work in his vineyard. The first son replied with rebellion. He said, are you kidding me, Dad? You go pick your own grapes. I've got better things to do with my time. But then, a little while later, his conscience bothered him. He had a complete change of heart, and he went to work in his father's vineyard. The other son, seeing the rebellion of his brother, saw an opportunity to make himself look really good. And so when the invitation was extended to him, he was very quick to report for duty. Aye, aye, sir, you can count on me. Consider it done. Only that turned out to be nothing more than lip service. That turned out to be nothing more than a good outward show without any genuine obedience. And so then Jesus asked, which of these two sons did what his father wanted? And the answer was obvious, even to those religious leaders, the first one. And yet as simple as that question and answer was, the principle that it introduced was revolutionary. It completely undid the rule of law and instead established the new principle on which Jesus' kingdom would run, the rule of repentance. And that principle means that no one gets to dictate to you the laws that you need to keep in order to be righteous before God. It means that no one not a religious leader, not a pastor, not a politician gets to tell you what you need to do in order to be right with God. You can show up for church every single Sunday all dressed up in your Sunday best. You can have all the right bumper stickers and all the right yard signs and know all the right lingo to use. And yet none of that gets you anywhere with God. So why would you let someone else dictate that that's how you are going to prove yourself righteous. At the very same time, Jesus' principle of repentance means that no record of your past transgressions can be hauled out and held against you. Perhaps like that first son in Jesus' parable, there was a time in your life where you were kind of saying to God, forget you, I've got better things to do with my life than to serve you. The rule of repentance means that no one gets to haul that out and show it as evidence of your guilt. Yes, the internet is forever, but when it comes to our sins, God's memory, believe it or not, is not forever. Yes, we have a God who knows absolutely everything, and yet we can pray to him the way that we prayed in today's psalm. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways, but instead remember me according to to your love, O oh Lord. So the rule of repentance means that no one gets to exercise tyranny over you. It also means that you don't get to exercise tyranny over anybody else. Yes, in Jesus' day, there were these tax collectors and prostitutes who were entering the kingdom of God even before the religious leaders. And yes, as Jesus spoke to them, these religious leaders were just like that second son in the parable, putting on a great outward show, offering all kinds of wonderful lip service, but lacking true obedience. And yet Jesus told this parable not to turn the tables upside down, not so that the tax collectors and the prostitutes could suddenly become tyrants of the religious leaders. No, the whole reason Jesus told this parable is because there was still time for those religious leaders to repent as well. 
Jesus wanted them to see the error of their ways and to stop living by the rule of law and instead live by that rule of repentance. So yes, the rule of law turns everyone into a tyrant, but Jesus' rule of repentance overthrows every single one of them. And that's because of what repentance really is and how repentance really works. Repentance is not this thing that in and of itself causes God to suddenly be happy with us. It's not as if we just feel sad enough about all of our sin or stop sinning for a certain amount of time, then suddenly we are right with God again. No, repentance means that when we see God's law, we acknowledge our complete inability to ever live up to its standards, and instead we look for our righteousness elsewhere. Repentance is that complete 180-degree turn. Yes, we turn away from our sin, but even more importantly, we turn to our Savior Jesus. We turn to a different kind of son, a third type of son who isn't mentioned in Jesus' parable, but very much was mentioned in today's second reading. We turn to that son who was always perfectly obedient, who, yes, eagerly reported for duty in his father's vineyard, but then also actually went and worked. Repentance means turning to that son whose job it was to stand right underneath the winepress of God's wrath and to have all of that wrath poured out on him. Repentance means turning to that son who offered his father far more than lip service but was completely obedient even to death, even to death on a cross. Whether you're that first type of son who at one point in life was busy rebelling against God or that second type of son who's been trying so hard to do and say all of the right things, Jesus' rule of repentance means that true righteousness is available to all who turn for it to their Savior, Jesus. And so do you know what that rule is going to lead to? It's going to lead to complete chaos. That's another reason why we like the rule of law in earthly kingdoms like the United States of America. It's because law very much goes hand in hand with order. If everyone has to obey the laws, then society can be in order. Absent the rule of law, you've got nothing but disorder. And yet that's exactly what Jesus brings. When he rebels against that rule of law and instead establishes his rule of repentance. That rule guarantees that no one can dictate to you what outward behavior you need to demonstrate in order to be righteous before God. That law guarantees that nobody can take your past record of sins and bring it back out and use it against you. That law guarantees that no one, not a religious leader, not a social influencer, has the right to exercise tyranny over you. And that's exactly the kind of chaos that Jesus wants you to have. Amen. Amen.